and welcome to this episode of Mindful Makers, a show that celebrates entrepreneurs that build brands to improve our lives and encourage us to explore the power of holistic living. This week, we meet a lady who is a true visionary in the way she works. She's CEO and founder of not one, not two, but three brilliant brands and has had a profound passion for holistic living, nature healing, and biohacking the body and subconscious mind for many years. Her products are sold in places ranging from Whole Foods Market to Selfridges and Planet Organic in the UK. She's also been featured across British broadsheet papers such as The Guardian, The Telegraph, and The Sunday Times, and more. The visionary lady I'm referring to is Catherine Farrant, and today we'll be exploring her brands how she brought them to life, and her recipe for being a true mindful maker in today's world. Welcome to the show, Catherine. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Really, really well. Really looking forward to getting into some conversation today. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, how lucky am I? Because you were based in the UK not that long ago, probably about 11 months ago, you said you moved to Dubai. Exactly. It was a massive opportunity for us. And it was one of those moments in life, you know, when something appears to you and you think, wow, I could close my eyes and jump, or I could very easily just step over and carry on as I am. And my husband and I didn't take long to make a decision. And we were here six weeks later. And it really is a little bit of the story of my life, which is like, if change for me is a massive, it appeals to me in a big, big way. And so that's what we did. And here we are. And we've just never looked back. Wow. Well, welcome. Welcome to the bright, sunny city of Dubai. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So you have three brilliant brands, one of which I came across when I was on my own healing journey, which is Ossa Organics. And that is, um, am I right in saying it's it's the first traditional slow-cooked organic grass-fed bone broth to retail in the UK? A hundred percent. Yeah, we were first movers in that market. um, And at that time, back in 2015, I mean, I just have these memories of sitting in the office of what, who was then the Ocado buyer, breastfeeding my second son with a big pashmina over me in the cold, trying to explain why we needed this stuff on supermarket shelves. And there was that disconnect between like, well, there's stocks, there's rows and rows of stocks and chicken this and that and stock cubes. And there began my mission and my absolute passion to inspire people to understand the difference and why. And yeah, we we were first to market and Planet Organic was our first kind of door opener. And I'm forever grateful to them. Mm. And the rest is a, a history, really. It's been a beautiful story. I know from my own personal journey with bone broth that it has so many nutrients in it. And I, I think it's just my grandma and my mom used to kind of cook it at home whenever we were um, feeling a bit under the weather, but also it's part of traditional Iranian food as well. So we had a lot of that in our diet. But I remember that I didn't know exactly why it was good for. I thought it was one of these old wives' tales. And then when I looked into it, it's got things like collagen, amino acids, calcium, magnesium, like so many things. It's like a powerhouse of nutrition. Is that the main reason that attracted you to? creating also organics the fact that you had such a nutrient dense food and it wasn't readily available in the market I mean nail on the head Mm. that was it and I just think back to that time I was pregnant with my first son and I have three beautiful boys and I was put on Pregnicare which is a supermarket high street pregnancy multivitamin at the time and it made me so nauseous and I remember thinking I actually said to the doctor at the time like why is this tablet making me sick? Just don't worry about it. Just chug it down, you know? And I stopped. And that was my first act of defiance against like a person of power, if that makes sense. And it woke something in me. And that is when I got my head deep into books. You said like, like you were talking, we were talking about before the show, that research energy inside of you where you just want to discover stuff. And I started to read about women, like Iranian, African, Chinese, every culture, and how they would boil the bones of animals in order to pull all the beautiful things you spoke about earlier into this elixir called bone broth. And then I thought I've got to get my hands on this stuff because I don't need to supplement over and above a really healthy diet for my pregnancy. However, what a really healthy diet 
at the time, and even maybe for some people today is, is still not enough for a number of reasons we won't get into right now. And then I thought, no, I'm going to do this myself. And I always remember it was, it took me quite a while because my son was then born. I was making the broth myself, handing it out to all my friends and family. And I did a year or so of maternity leave. And I said to my husband, I thought I would be that woman that came up with that idea of like spanks or something when I was on, you know, maternity leave, <laughs> but I've got nothing. And he's like, look what you're doing every day of your life. This is it. And that's when it just dawned on me that ossa is Latin for the word bone. And in actual fact, a lot about what I believe is how the bones of our ancestors, our bones hold stories and minerals and healing and strength. And that actually there's so much more than just like a bone. Do you know what I mean? Which is why at ossa it is paramount that the animal's that the bones that we use that are they are from animals that are well cared for, sustainably reared, organic, really grass fed. That is everything. And that is the difference between, say, a, a chicken stock that is boiled with battery bones for an hour in a factory up the road. It does make a difference. And bone broth is it changed my life from that day forward. What were the personal experiences that you had when you came across making your own bone broth? Like what changes did you see in your body? Well, first of all, I didn't need the prenatal vitamin. And I was looking at my urine each week through a doctor. I had very different pregnancies, oddly enough. My first pregnancy was very much under allopathic care. My third was more rogue, which I preferred, but I was learning. And it, it transformed my profile, if that made sense, the minerals in my body. My gynecologist at the time kept saying to me, like, what are you doing? Because I kept elasticity in my skin. I didn't experience any aches or pains. I kept not at a lightweight, because that's not the point. You're growing a human. I kept a very healthy weight on. I kept thick and nourished hair. And I was dealing at the time with friends and, and still do today, 10 years later, deal with women who through pregnancy will realize where their deep malnutrition comes. Because if your body in pregnancy is malnourished, in order for your baby to be well cared for, the body will leach from the teeth. The body will leach from the hair. The body will leach from the skin, which is why they say pregnancy ruins women and they end up looking haggard and, and, and. Well, that's because you are not eating a nutrient-rich diet. Mm -hmm. And bone broth kept all of that away from me. And I felt amazing. Like, it's, it's, it's talked about a lot. In fact, no, it's not talked about enough. I talk about it a lot. That in pregnancy, a woman is super, 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 super human. And I felt that. And so it was also what I talk about in through Kinetic Blueprint is this um, environmental confirmation when people are going, oh my word, what have you done? I'm like, I don't know, I'm 30 weeks pregnant. But when you are well, you glow from the inside out. And yeah. that became the story that I told, nourished, how nourished one is, how, mm. how nutrient dense your diet is and the impact that has on every part of your life. Mm. And I think that it clearly resonated with a lot of people because your brand and the product ended up being taken up by a lot of big places and big names in the market. Yes, it was very difficult at the time. I knew I was alongside other female entrepreneurs um, younger than me and potentially not even in the child rearing phase. That mattered not. But if you were in a room amongst a panel of people, we got into competitions for like best taste and great taste and this, da, 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 and all different other stuff. But I was not selling chocolate coated marshmallows or the next fun thing like peanut butter or do you know what I mean? So there was that definite like education piece of like, what is that? You know, yeah. um, but it was that was my mission. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't come as easily as it may look. It, it was actually a very, very hard slog. And even now, seven years later, we still work hard to educate the market. But I felt like I just knew that it was not about then, it was about now. Yeah. Now where we're established, now where people are calling me and saying like, oh my word, how do I get my hands on bone broth? I need it. I've learned this. I've learned that. And for me, that little lighting, that little fire is probably like the proudest moment of my whole life. That's amazing. <laughs> That's a really interesting point, actually, because I think from my memory as well, seven years ago would have been a very different landscape in terms of awareness around wellness and how to look after our bodies. There was obviously quite a lot around before that, but I think the pandemic must have really heightened everybody's perception of what it means to look after ourselves and to know what we're putting into our bodies. Do you think there was like a big piece of education that you needed to do with the brand? Yes. And um, I knew it was the better part of a decade that it was going to take. 
In those days, the education piece had to come through the actual buyers because this whole like D to C, being able to touch your customer so easily as we can do today was present, but not as much. It was the pandemic that heightened this opportunity for me to just reach out and Instagram a customer and be like, do you love this? Do you, How's it going? Are you happy? Whereas before I relied heavily on, you know, the planets, the whole foods, et cetera, to give us any kind of feedback on the customer and the people of power in those businesses had a long way to go. Not all. I spoke very highly about Planet. Whole Foods jumped on board, but with a lot of my badgering and a lot, a lot, a lot of stress and energy from me. And the likes of Ocado and stuff like that potentially had some still quite different thinking buyers in position there. The absolute transformation was that time where people got more connected to them own, their own selves, even though it was difficult and panic making and people struggled and stuff, but we had nothing else to do except but realize how disconnected as a society we are, A, from one another and B, from our own selves. And in those years, 10 years to date since back then, before the business had even launched, I'm talking now about my first pregnancy and my son with this idea, that's when I started to realize that the whole healing, learning, education piece was more about more than just one slot of the puzzle. So food formed one of three of what I see as the three pillars or the three cornerstones, but it was a lovely and very convenient, more touch tangible place to start for the average person who can get very overwhelmed in this modern world with so much information. And as we were talking about before we started, what you don't want is where you you feel that and then you just shut down. It's yeah. f- far easier to have a few kind of easy steps that you can make once a week, maybe once a month, mm. start to see slow change and then from there transform. And that's why us organic started off with just that. Put one organic thing in your basket this week. Try bone broth for a month, see how you feel. Move away from seed oils and use ghee or tallow. And that was still at a time where paleo, primal, all that way of eating was still very kind of like, un, we were unsure of it, you know? Yeah. But just enough of a spark to encourage people to try something different seemed to, to do the trick. And then like anything in life, you have a testimonial, people standing up. had a n- number of emails a week from vegan mothers that were struggling and felt shame around craving, dreaming, desperate for meat. Um, and so my suggestion in those times was don't overdo it. And because obviously it's a mindset thing, start with a cup of bone broth and see if you're getting, as we talked about the glycine, the amino acids, the collagen from that, that your body feels like it's craving. And then your journey back to animal-based protein or nutrition might begin, Mm. but it was just always slowly, slowly, slowly. Is it possible to have a nutrient dense vegetable broth? Yes and no. The one thing that is completely impossible is to get vegan collagen. And that's one thing that I feel like I get very upset by. Collagen is a protein molecule at its core and is found in abundance from bovine source. You can also get chicken collagen from the feet and you can get uh, fish collagen from the skin. You cannot get vegetable collagen. So any myriad of things put together and sold as vegan collagen is not vegan collagen. So that that little thing I wanted to clear up. You can get a beautiful, we do a vegetable broth. We use wakami seaweed for iodine, which people are seriously deficient in. We use ginger, turmeric, all those beautiful warming, healing spices Mm. from an Ayurvedic sense. That is very, very powerful, but it will never give you amino acids, glycine, collagen, Mm. and the building blocks of the body sometimes really demand that. Those things. Yeah, especially under stress. Stress is the wrong word for pregnancy, but it is an extra stress on the body. You need to overly support yourself. So, you, you can, but would it be complete in its entirety? No. Is it a beautiful and very healing addition to any diet? Absolutely. I can see there's a lot of information out there and it can be very overwhelming when you're looking to start a journey of trying to improve your diet, looking at traceability, looking at the quality of the ingredients that you're putting in your basket. And especially when you live in places where a lot of the food is imported, it can be a bit of a minefield to try and um, trust as well the provenance of something and from farm to table is becoming more easier now to access globally, but I think it's still got a long way to go. How would you advise those people who are looking to create their own broths at home? Like what are the things they need to absolutely make sure that they don't compromise on and where can they compromise? Mm. The number one thing is the water, in my opinion. So if you're not, if you're boiling water that's unfiltered, 
you're concentrating the things in that you don't want, like chlorine, chloride, fluoride, heavy metals in some cases. So in most countries around the world, I would 100% recommend that you use broth, um, you make your broth using a filtered water at the very least. And second to that would be the provenance of the bones. We talked about organic where possible, but that is not always possible. And so I would say that is a luxury, but I would say if you can understand that the chickens are pastured, which means that they're let out to pasture. In actual fact, there's a big debate at the moment around what free range actually means. So you need to be a little bit careful around that statement. But if you can, and I mean, I just pick up the phone. I know a lot of people aren't that way entitled. Go through Instagram. You can WhatsApp anyone, you know, you can message anyone and, and say, I, you know, I'd like to really know what things are like, what you're feeding and have an understanding. But that free to roam for chickens is really, really, really good. Chickens can be a different kind of conversation, probably too much detail for now, but that's kind of the basis for me. Organic, definitely where I can with chicken. From bovine sources, again, fed on grass for as often as the year as it possibly can. And in some countries, they supplement with hay in the winters. Again, absolutely fine. And that, I think, does the trick. Mm. Organic on top of that is perfection. And that's what everyone strives for. But life is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I would far rather that you actually get broth in, but make sure that it's pastured and free-ranged. I would not go and buy a battery supermarket chicken and boil the bones. Mm. It's like what I said about water. Vegetables, I always say there's the dirty dozen, you know, those 12 that you should really try and buy organic. And outside of that, if you can't wash your vegetables, soak them with alkaline ionized water or bicarb, make sure that you give them a little scrub and then bless them, really. You know, I talk a lot about that, like just put energy and love into your food. I probably lived my entire childhood never eating one thing organic or one thing free range or grass fed. Like, and I grew up in South Africa. The food system there is not ideal, contrary to what people might believe. And um, I have this big thing around energy, like where you can't actually affect a physical change. You can put your own energy into the food. And it goes back to that Emoto experiment with water. Like, I love you. I love you. I hate you. I hate you. Look at the shape of the two. The molecules. Yeah, the molecules. Absolutely. And you will quickly see. So when you are out to dinner with your friends, when you've having a burger with friends and enjoying life in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I can't eat this. I can't, like that is a disconnect. Uh, you know, don't eat like that all the time. You will get sick, but place your hands over the food quietly and bless it. Send it love, send it energy, do the same with your water and you will see a massive impact. Yeah. And, and for the listeners um, who aren't familiar with this, please look it up because there was a very interesting experiment uh, done on water by a Japanese gentleman and he basically spoke and believed certain sayings towards different vessels that contained water. And then once he was done with that experiment, he looked at the molecules and how they were shaped and the ones that were given uh, loving and kind intentions and words towards it were definitely much more harmonious than the ones that were not. 100%. And I think people have also done this experiment with plants, if I'm not mistaken. Plants, and I teach this experiment with the human body because remember, we are made up of 80 to 90% water. We are cellular water. In fact, yeah. someone told me the other day and I was like, what if you took out all the water of the body and actually after after death, the soul and the water evaporates, you're left with something like two kilograms of matter. That's about it. That's crazy. So we are pure water, which is why... I really, really teach about how you speak to yourself and what the shape and structure of your own cellular waters are inside of you. Because food needs to be a vibrational match. It is as simple as that. Mm. Our original DNA is the energy we emit, and we are constantly looking for information from the outside through food, water, thoughts, interactions, people, things people say, our own thoughts, our own treatment of ourselves that are a harmonious match, and you use that word. And by elevating our own vibration, so we attract things to us that are more of a harmonious match. Mm. Which, as you can imagine, a carrot, whether organic or not, is a beautiful harmonious match as compared to a McDonald's burger. Yeah. So think about what you're eating and drinking and how harmonious that is matching your original information, your original DNA. And that is where you're either in a state of harmony or dis-ease. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing as well because we're, we have become quite disconnected from the sourcing and supplying, but also from the process of our food. There's a lot of processed foods out there that disconnect us from what the core ingredients look like versus how it ends up. So getting back to those basics has definitely created more healthier people around us because of that, those who practice that way of life. But I also think what you mentioned earlier is really important 
the sort of belief system that's around what we do. So for example, yes, sitting at a table and worrying about what's incessantly, incessantly worrying about what's in front of you also cannot do you any good because your nervous system then becomes, you know, haywired and it doesn't feel like it's ready to accept whatever you're going to put in it. You could be drinking, I don't know, green juices all day and cursing them and <laughs> it's not really going to go down very well, is it? A hundred percent. And that's why through the kinetic blueprint, I talk about these three pillars because unless your mind is right, you could be a guru of gut health and matters not. And if you have toxic load, as we talked about before this interview, entering unconsciously into your body. So you're not even aware of how you're coming into co contact with toxins. You could be a guru of gut health and Matt's it's not. So you have to address those three pillars in your life. You have to understand your gut health, your toxic load, where you're sleeping and where you're working. And people don't understand that you can, toxic load can come from junk lighting, which is most offices, supermarkets, malls, corporate spaces. And finally, your trauma load. And that is not that some major accident happened to you or some big trauma, because 90% of my clients sit in front of me in the first session and tell me, but I have no trauma. And I'm always like, like transformation. And I said this again this morning on our live through the, our homeschool community, transformation and trauma are not a big event that like blows up in your face and happens and suddenly you're this different person. It's the little, little, little things. So the small steps in between. 100%. And trauma is the little thing that Bob told you one day at school that you've never let go of and that now you can't speak a seed in public. deep inside you. Yeah. And then what happens is the subconscious takes that seed, nurtures it and loves it as if its life depends on it. That's the role of the subconscious. The subconscious's life, it digs something so deep in, like our heartbeats. Imagine the subconscious suddenly forgot because it was looking off at the shops or the sun to beat the heart. It doesn't forget. And so when we have limiting beliefs nurtured by the subconscious, that is where we see limiting behaviors and that is where we see issues in our life, where we get triggered by our children, where we get triggered by our partners, where we get triggered by our bosses because the subconscious will run that program regardless of all else because its job is to keep us alive, beating, ticking. And so it is our role and that's what I love doing with clients the most to assess what is stuck inside of there and whether we're happy with it or not hmm. because it is simple to be like subconscious. That is an old outdated program. I am worthy of love. That is an old, outdated program. I am worthy of being toned and in a body that feels good to me, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Mm. We've skipped ahead and now we're talking about the Kinetic Blueprint, <laughs> which is your second brand that I wanted, to, your third brand, actually, we've skipped over Fierce. I want to address that. So I read that the Kinetic Blueprint is an elite performance platform in the space of mindset and natural health. Would you mind telling us a little bit about exactly how that works and what this brand brings to the world? I call it an elite performance platform because it is literally just a channel for information that I believe should be shared. And I'm so glad that in this day and age, we can share much more easily, you know, and obviously social media and all these things have their downsides, but let's be honest, like it's here to stay and you're going to get in the game and, and play it, like use it. If you've got a message to share, it's beautiful if used in the right way. And so Kinetic Blueprint is that platform where I try to teach people about these three pillars specifically and about why if you're constantly stuck in an auto, with an autoimmune disease or issues with your skin or issues with your weight or your worth, that in actual fact, unless you've covered those three pillars, it's quite difficult to, to break that cycle mm. of whatever it is that you're suffering with. Which is the gut toxic load and, and trauma, trauma load. Yeah. Yes, exactly right. Mm, interesting. And what was your... Um, motivation behind creating that? Because I imagine Osa would have been keeping you quite busy already. So why why did you decide to launch something like it Kinetic came Only a year ago, so many years after. So Osa's ideas, Osa launched in 2015, so many years later. And I found that I was just in love with c connecting to the customer. I spoke about that earlier. But customers were coming to us organic, yes, for bone broth, but more for the knowledge that I spoke about that lives within the bones of our, like passed down and down and down that I had through my digging and passion and I don't know what uncovered and was like more than willing to share. So all the time I had customers, my son has eczema, this one feels this, I don't feel good in my body, I'm not connected to my gut instinct, I can't make good decisions. I'm, 
And so I spent a lot of my time just answering these people's questions. And then I quickly realized, oh my gosh, people are all asking the same thing, but in a different way. And, and so that's where the kinetic blueprint was born. And I think we spoke about it last week in our kind of pre-call, like if you are aligned and connected to yourself, the true essence of who you are, and you have come out of the closet, I say, shown that person to the world. Cause sometimes my, when I first came out of the closet as who I really am, this person that speaks about all this weird stuff, whatever it might be, even my brother was like, is that really you? I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, I knew it all along, but you have to come out. It's very difficult to be in your true essence to everyone, mom, dad, brother, sister, everyone, true essence. Absolutely. When you are in that, things that are meant to be done by you in this world fall out of you, jump out of you. And that's what happened with the kinetic blueprint. Like I couldn't stop it. Mm. It was really like that. It sounds so magical because you had a very different life before you started your own businesses, didn't you? You were actually working in wealth management. Yeah, I was very A-type, super A-type from my childhood, top achiever, everything must be so, you know. And um, I was in that role for 10 years, got made up as a partner, all the great things, you know, tick, 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 tick. And in hindsight, I look back at those years and I think, first of all, I was in like some kind of weird competition with my husband, which is encouraged by society. You know, I can work like him. I can earn like him, can be like him. And secondly, I was disconnected from our homestead. And I remember when it took me 15, 16, 17, three years to quit my corporate job to go full-time into Oslo because of all the societal fear. You can't do that. Three years between when you made the decision and actually did it or? Three years between when I started Oslo and actually made the decision. Okay. And it was in my mind the whole time, like, why am I working for some other man? I need to be keeping my homestead for my husband, my man, and nurturing this fire inside of me. And it was the scariest thing I ever did, but I just quit because I was sitting in a meeting with a client and my job was to onboard clients, high net worth individuals. And it was a lovely family, 50 million pounds they were introducing to the company. And I connected with people. That's how I did my work. And that's what kept me there for so long because I loved it. And I was making notes And they said, what do you think? And I thought, let me just see what notes I've made and I'll kind of comment. And the notes in full across my page said, quit your job now. (laughs) And I was like, okay, universe, I've got you. Um, And that was it. I walked out the office the next day and never came back. And I got onto the tube in London and I just was like a crazy woman. Like freedom, like I'd never in my life felt. Power, like I'd never in my life felt. smiling from ear to ear. Ear to ear. And I'd given up a lot. Like I'd, I was only a partner for three years at the top of my game. I had, you know, all the, all, everything to get, everything to get. What Did does you that feel afraid? Mean? Yeah, I felt afraid. And also there's that money attachment, isn't there? Like, well, now I contribute. And my husband picked me up, not literally. He, he, the way he spoke to me was how I wish I'd listened to him for 10 years of our marriage before, which was like, I have got you. I have got you. Like, immerse yourself into our home, work your passion, find where your feet, I have got you, whether it takes one year, three years, 10 years, five, 15 years, I've got you. Mm-hmm. And our whole dynamic transformed because I was at home. Yes, I was working and following my passion and, but I was at home. I, 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 I dedicated my energy to our homestead. The energy is very different as well. Changed everything. Yeah. It makes a massive difference. And that's why I think we've explored space on this show as well. It has a massive impact on, how we achieve, things we do, vibrations around us, our thoughts, our feelings, etc. So I can really relate to what you're saying about that. That's amazing. It's so fortunate that you've also been able to have such great support in your life. It really is. And it took a lot of coddling on his part to make me feel secure enough to stop being this, like, provider woman because it's a drug as well when it you're is. in that world and it you is are... and and society pushes you along like, oh powerful woman oh wow look at her and she's got children and 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 you know and it's yeah it's the labeling yeah so breaking free of that was the biggest gift I've ever given to myself I am so grateful well so are we because we <laughs> get to experience these amazing brands that you've created <laughs> thanks <laughs> which now brings me on to the other brand, which is the second brand you created, and that is Fierce Nature. Yeah, Fierce Nature, founded very much out of the same passion as Asa, just a different arm, which was like the toxic load element of our personal care is deeply linked to our gut health. Yeah. So people would say, but I drink bone broth and now I take collagen. I still don't feel well. And that's again, that understanding, well, what are you putting on your body every day? Mm. What are you putting into your onto your skin. What air are you breathing? What water are you drinking? How are you sleeping? 
And so fierce nature rose out of that need for more clarity and more rules is the wrong word, but like there, it's very rogue in the beauty industry. There's yeah. no standards by Absolutely. which anyone adheres to. What I loved when I was looking up and researching your brands is that you'd mentioned somewhere that few, that, that these two brands, Ossa and Fierce Nature, are food and beauty from the land, not a lab. I love that because <laughs> it connects us immediately again back to the basics and realizing that we don't need a lot of things that are um, heavily engineered and constructed. Yes, that has its place in life and I'm absolutely not discounting it, but I'm just looking at the the basic needs of our bodies and our skin and our our just well-being. And nature usually has a lot of the answers. The land has the answers. And you've done that brilliantly with these two brands. Especially, I think, if looking back on the last few years where we've seen things like the toxic effects of certain ingredients in, in beauty products or in cosmetics or in skincare being highlighted by mainstream media, which hasn't historically been done in the past, you know. And we're learning things like, I think since um, there was a stat I read the other day that said since 2009, there were 595 cosmetic manufacturers in the States that have reported using sort of something like 88 chemicals mm -hmm. across 73,000 products. And they've all been linked to really serious illnesses and defects and hormone imbalances. The list goes on. And that just made me think, you know, things like formaldehyde, which is a carcinogen, mercury, and these like PFAs that are in pans, like cooking pans, mm -hmm. end up in mm -hmm. our cosmetics. It's shocking. I mean, the list goes on. And I'm very happy to learn that these products are not allowed in the European manufacturing of of cosmetics and beauty products. But still, you know, there's... We're, we live in a big world, so there are a lot of products out there that still do. And awareness is key when it comes to that, just education, because it can, again, like the food thing, be quite overwhelming when you start to look into it. You just think, well, maybe I just shouldn't use anything, right? Mm. The biggest issue with anti-aging and beauty, in my opinion, is that marketing and media have made us to believe that we need support by the way of a million billion serums and eye creams and under eye creams and over eye creams and night creams and serums and the base serum and the top serum and the night da, da, da. it's exhausting you end up look, looking like a burger when you go to bed with 100%. all these layers on your face and the the idea of the skin is really actually very simple it protects our energy inside of our bodies. So it is there to hold the essence I spoke about earlier of our true selves deep inside. It regulates fluid moisture balance by sweating and pulling in hydration when it needs. It keeps pollutants out, air pollutants, you know, other things in the water or in the air that we don't need. And that is literally about it. It actually is very picky as to what it actually will absorb, which is why I am very confident to say that 90% of whatever you're paying a lot of money for is not even absorbed by the skin. Collagen is the perfect example. Like topical collagen is, in my opinion, a very big waste of money. Mm. So the thinking for me was what is bioavailable to the skin is all that matters. And bioavailable means that the skin recognizes it as food. And tallow is that. Tallow wasn't used by the Russian royal family and myriads of tribes and royal families across cultures across the world for years for no good reason. Hmm. Tallow is beef fat, isn't it? Tallow is beef fat. And okay. that is the foundation of fierce nature. Hmm. And because obviously a lot of the time people are like, what do you mean you put beef fat on your skin? Yeah, does it smell? With the tallow we use. Now, this is where the connection comes in. Fierce Nature was founded as a sister brand to Osso because we use Osso Organics tallow. And the key to our tallow at Osso Organic is we never deodorize or bleach it because you need to use chemicals to whitewash it, strip it, and take out whatever smell there might be. Which you don't want to be doing at Which all. Which we don't want to be doing at mm. all. So our natural unscented tallow, I bought some for you, I should have brought it over, is um, has a natural smell. But we we use essential oils where we where we want in some products, and in others we use natural vanilla bean. And oh, so there's delish. less of a smell. But the actual feeling of the cream takes away from anything. When I was hand making it myself, I remember forget we got on a flight with the three boys. My husband was like, you smell like beef. And I was like, oh, <laughs> stop it. But I had taken a jar of tallow, you know, of us organics tallow, kind of warmed it between my hands. And 
<laughs> Whereas now we're actually working on a proper organic farm in Somerset. Oh, we use nice. we we use big mixers and blenders and whippers and we formulate everything by hand and we use spatulas and like it's a beautiful artist's like oh God, workshop. Of, yeah, it's beautiful. So yeah, that's fierce nature. It was always inside of me and it, it, it came out as a separate brand to Os Organic. Ideally, Os Organic was going to house all of these things, but it was difficult to explain to a consumer that now you're eating broth, now you're putting this on your face, you know. Yeah. So Fierce Nature became a sister and um, she's only a year old, but it's been a beautiful, beautiful journey so far. Mm, that's such an incredible story. And I think it's beautiful that we're re-looking at how we can repurpose ingredients as well, you know, mm-hmm. things that we readily have available around us and I remember when I first started using coconut oil instead of makeup remover and my friends were like, why? You ha- you can go buy makeup remover. And I thought, no, but this is natural. And also it works way better than the other ones. <laughs> like I always ended up with panda eyes when I used the main, mainstream. Yes, and dry. And dry. dry. And, and after, that was a game changer. Never went back. It's easy to use when I travel. And I just thought back to basics is the way forward. But I mean, it's no surprise because the global cosmetics market was valued at almost like $380 billion in 2019. And it's projected to reach about $463 billion by 2027. So there's massive amounts of money circulating out there around it. And you can see why there's so much of a machine behind creating Mm -hmm. this, um, I guess, feeling of FOMO, inadequacy, uh, insecurity in order to generate that. It has wonderful space as well, which is conversations around inclusivity, uh, creativity. You know, I love, I mean, I'm a big fan of beauty. I love putting, people who know me know that I'm crazy about crazy eyeliner and different colors and things like that. But it also means that I do look carefully at what I am using because I want my creativity to feel safe for me. Mm. Mm. And um, that also comes with education and time. It didn't happen overnight. Mm. You know, I didn't go from being this person that used crazy glitter on my eyes to not at all. I still do that, but I do it consciously and I know what I'm doing when. Yeah, I love that. And that's different. You know, it's not overwhelming. Absolutely. Because I'm not going to change who I am. No, and I keep saying this to people. I'm like, don't feel like you're never going to have fun or create with your makeup again. Or it's that 80, 20, isn't it? Like, and I always, and I will say to people, like, sometimes you're going to want to just, I don't know, go to a makeup artist and lather synthetic rubbish on your face because you're going to some big party, but you feel beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that. We're looking more at the basis of our lives. Yes. Once you get into a position where your beauty is clean and you're conscious about when it's not and you're creating and having fun or yeah. when things are not perfect. Same with your diet. It's not always going to be perfect. Absolutely. And then you've got your mindset, right? You you literally can fall off the wagon, have fun, create, use yeah. a normal shampoo. I mean, for heaven's sake, I don't know, have a Diet Coke, which is not something I would ever do, but yeah. maybe I will one day. I don't know. There's no rules. Yeah. That's what I don't want people to ever feel like, oh, well, if I'm not perfect by tomorrow and like just living everything perfect, then there's yeah. something wrong with me. Absolutely. Not at all. Absolutely. It's a journey. It's not about arriving. It's just each step of the way. As you said, now you start using coconut oil, then you start exploring this, exploring that, and that's your own path to take. I love that. Yeah, and I think it's important because it's also a reason why I've created Mindful Makers because I think we need to have these conversations about how things genuinely develop over time in an organic and authentic way. You know, we see these wonderful stories of the TED Talks of the entrepreneur who made it big or the polished Instagram version of how this business has just become so successful overnight. But the stories behind them are actually more important. And those human to human kind of connections um, help other people know that it's not something that happens overnight. These mm-hmm. things take time and these are the different ways in which they happen. And through yours, it was through a journey of birth, a journey of self-exploration, taking risks and being okay with being vulnerable is mm. what I'm hearing. Mm. You know, these are 100%. really key important things when building your own business to look at. I love that. When you explained that to me about Mindful Makers, I just thought, yes, because people love to look at the end results and be like, yeah. and, and the human brain goes, I'm never going to be able to do that. So I'm not even going to try No. Did you know where that person came from? And a lot of my clients through Kinetic Blueprint are very successful entrepreneurs. Not many of them have it sorted. Trust me. You know, you might have a lot of money, but you're sick. Or you might not have a lot of money, but you're this. Or there's always something. And most passionate, successful people have got to that point from a place of pain themselves. 
And they've literally decided to use that pain, not to victimize themselves in the process, but actually to use it to get better, to grow, and then share their story. That is how you create a business. You literally find something that you love or find a challenge that you're struggling with in your life, overcome it, and record the journey along the way. Absolutely. And the authenticity of that and the discovery of that and the courage that that takes is what will drag, whether they like it or not, people along with you. And the, the stories are never, ever perfect or easy. And that's what I th- I say to people, like, just decide right now, enough, I'm going to change in whichever little tiny way that yeah. I can. And if I can't do it by myself, I'm going to reach out and find someone to help me. Absolutely. Some of my most favorite songs in the world were written through a process of heartache or pain. And yes. yet they are the best songs that have yes. ever been written. And the same goes for creation in life. You know, when we create something and we're in a really uncomfortable space, something very, very interesting and game-changing can come out of that. The same goes for healing yeah. of, of disease, of toxicity, of pain, of trauma. Yeah. It's a process of creation of like the you, the, the, the essence of you coming out. Like people don't look enough about at it like that because allopathic medicine likes to slap a bandage on stuff and make the symptoms go away. But if you decide to take the steps to connect to yourself and re- listen to what your body's telling you, from there, it's the same creative process, isn't it? Like, yeah, absolutely. It's beautiful. It's a very slow and gentle space. 100%. You don't just click your fingers and say, right, I'm healed. Yeah. Done. Next. Absolutely not. <laughs> and you end up slapping on a Band-Aid until you die. Yeah. And that's a path you could also take, but I don't Each advise it. Yeah. Yeah. Coming back to the skin, I remember reading somewhere that even your children have Epsom bath salts with um, what bentonite, was it clay. bentonite clay. <laughs> I am a massive bentonite clay convert. Oh, good. I love bentonite clay. I don't. I only do it. I think every two weeks. But I read that your sons do it twice a week. They love it. Although, funny enough, now that we've moved to Dubai. In England, we used to bath for fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, it was like four o'clock and pitch dark and cold. <laughs> so we bathed at least every two weeks. And that's how we got, um, actually, you mentioned the broadsheets. And actually, we got a call from the Stella magazine of the Telegraph to be like, what is this all about? And because I teach through the Kinetic Group and how the first seven years of a child's life is very formative in how you feed them and how you keep toxic load low is related to the formation of the teeth, how straight they sit in the jaw, how mineralized and strong they are, the development, the behavior, the learning, et cetera, so on down the line. And so, yeah, we got into really being aware of, of having fun whilst healing effectively. And now the kids will say like, let's bath with clay and paint each other. And <laughs> it's all a lot of good fun, but it also serves a really, really, really good good purpose um and you know once our kids get beyond seven there's parties and then 14 and then the next stage 14 to 28 so our role is to lose control of them that's what happens and we let them go forth in their own way and there will be probably 10 years of all of our lives where you eat whatever you want mom's not looking i don't know live on junk food they're going to go through all of that but that's this foundational phase sets them up for the rest of their life for resilience. And that's what the body needs more than anything. It's not about always being well. It's about bouncing back and being resilient. Mm, And I think it's also about education, you know, helping them to get to know their bodies, know why certain things make a difference through a fun and engaging way, it sounds like. exactly. And I will say, I'll never forget when they were, my biggest one was five and he went to one of those birthday parties with the big six-tier rainbow unicorn cake with all the <laughs> red colors. And I was just like, ah. But me and my husband is always like, calm down. Lots I know what breaths. you're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Let them go for it. So I'm like, okay. Anyway, they ate this cake and Trues Bob, the stomach ache that ensued. And they've never wanted to eat rainbow cake again. Mm. Not because I said, you must never eat that stuff. It's rubbish. Because I said, do you understand that there's such a thing called food dyes? There's this red color that's specifically toxic. This is how it's made. This is what it is. It's Education. the body. Yeah. And and so then they were like, huh, okay, so that's why I had a stomach ache. And that is the piece that was missing, you know, has been missing for many years where we, where we actually don't allow children to be quiet and sit in the corner. We, in, exactly as you said, involve them in cooking, in playing, in, in gardening, in cleaning, in making the bed, in learning, in healing, etc. Yeah. God, that's magical. I love it. So I imagine there's lots of things keeping you busy. You're spinning multiple plates across the globe, not just 
locally. And there must come times where you feel like you just need to pause or take a break. How do you balance things in your life? A huge part of my learning has been exactly that. As a teenager, as as I talked about earlier, very A-type, overachieving. And I realized a lot of my self-worth was held within how I achieved. So once I undid that, it was a game changer. And I I also looked back at patterns in my life. And one very specific pattern for me was achieve beyond my wildest dreams, burn out and crash. Achieve beyond my wildest dreams, burn out and crash. And I thought, this is not sustainable. And then I fell into this element of um, understanding masculine versus feminine, nothing to do with sexuality, essence, energy. And that I had the reason why I was like competing with my husband, trying to earn like him, trying to be like him was because I was very entrenched in the masculine side of my energy and needed to lean more into the feminine, which was rest and creation and play and nourishment. And that came really with the children. So I learned how to slow down, but it took me three babies, you know, only really after the third child did I really understand what it meant. And I dove deep. I went into 40 days of postpartum confinement, which is an ancient Chinese practice. I didn't leave my bed for 40 days. Wow. It was a game changer for my life. It was the hardest thing I've ever, 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 ever done because I was desperate to do. Mm. And people, you know, I thought people are going to think that I'm weird and I'm lazy or whatever. And maybe there were that where there were angles of that. But in actual fact, I don't think anyone I know could do that because it's the undoing that was such hard work that transformed my marriage. It transformed the way I did everything. And from that moment on, I prioritize rest as much as I possibly can, but I am human and I do sometimes overwork. I try to keep my hours short. So I'll work say probably from nine till, I don't know, one, maybe 12, one. And so half day, most days of the week, I'll really engage with my children when they're with me, go out and do whatever I want outsource as much as I possibly can. So now instead of being like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. I just go, hi, Andrew, won't you do this? Hi, Abby, won't you do that? And maybe it's a first world problem that I have a team, but you know, if you want, like as a mother, you have to have a team. Mm-hmm. As a wife, like as anything, you as a wife, you can't be everything and anything to your husband. He's got to also have a friend. and a, So everything is about that village mentality. And yeah. rest for me was key. I used to think that going for a massage or sitting in the sauna was weak. And now for me, that is the strength. So it's it's a constant game that I have to remember that I will lose if I don't prioritize rest. And I sleep literally, like hardly ever sleep past 9.30, wake up between 5.30 and 6. But that chunk of sleep is a massive priority for me. And I think that also fuels a lot of my energy. Mm, I think it's also um, with time and experience, you've gained this awareness of the things that make you tick. Yes. And that yes. help you get access to that grounding. Yes. And the minute you feel frayed, stressed, shouting at people, snapping back, key, ding, I'm out of alignment. How do I get back in? And then mm. you need to go and find what your thing is. I can walk on the beach, go and do yoga. Some people like, I don't know, you find your thing and then go and do it and reset yourself. Yeah. Everyone's Resilience. got their thing. Everyone knows what can help them a little bit, you know, and if you don't, again, just ask for help. <laughs> yeah. I think it's key because there are a lot of people that won't have access to help or teams, but I think it's also about the um, ability to identify places or people that can help, you know, that asking and being able to know when it's um, okay to ask for help. Yeah. And accepting is a big thing I work with with clients, you know, neighbor always knocking on the door saying, let me come in, let me cook you a meal. No, 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 no. I'm fine. Mm. actually, do you know what? That would be amazing. Mm. I'm going to walk around the block and you watch the kids for half an hour. Absolutely. I've been begging you for a year to let me watch the kids. You yeah. know, like, so where it feels right to, uh, to accept help is also very powerful and mm. not that easy for a lot of women. Mm. Wow. God, I think we could talk forever about yeah. all of this. There's so much going on here and my mind's just sort of buzzing with so much information. And I'm so grateful that you were able to come on the show today, Catherine. Thank I mean, you so much. I feel like we could do like a whole series around these kind of topics. Absolutely. Yeah, once a month we could just wrap it on. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I just, I absolutely have loved it myself. Thank you. Thank you. And I think if um, anybody's got any sort of questions or wants to know a little bit more about Catherine and her work, then I'll definitely put all of the information in the show notes and they can look her up. Before you go, Catherine, we always ask our guests two questions. And the first one is if you could take any item 
to the moon with you, uh, what item would it be and why? (laughs) (laughs) My item is hilarious. Now I'm like, actually, maybe it doesn't make much sense, but I was going to say my water ionizer, which I've just got into now, which basically affects the pH of the water that you drink. But then I'm like, it's not going to be a tap on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) You might be a bit frustrated because you can't use it. I would probably take, I mean, if I could put these together, I would probably take a pen and a a journal. That would Mm -hmm. really be me, like something that I could write with. I find such release in writing. It, it's therapeutic for me. I try and encourage as many people as I can to write. And I encourage people not only to write, but to find a pen and a book that they connect with. The book will come and go, but the pen, like this pen was a gift from the first day I started Oss Organic from a, the, a designer who helped me kind of conceptualize everything. I do not, it, it's, it's, it's really important to me. And mm. so probably a pen and a journal for e- expressive um, creation, writing, yeah, processing. Oh, beautiful. And how about your song? What song would you say epitomizes you? I'm a massive, massive music fan, but all the 80s kind of stuff. Oh, well, I'm going to go for the one that first popped into my head, which is Elton John's Rocket Man, oh, Links to it. the Moon. <laughs> um, and only because since my children were babies, for some reason or another, Rocket Man was a song that we used to, that, that, that we, every single night we used to play and they requested and they requested and now being nine and seven, the two-year-old, not so much yet, they know all the words and mm, we belt it out together and it's not one of my favorite, favorite songs in the world, but it holds a lot of meaning for me. So mm, that would be it. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much, Catherine, again, for coming on the show, for sharing your world, um, your wealth of knowledge, your experience with us. Thank you, Sahar, and thank you for Mindful Makers. It's so important that the story behind, you know, the, the one point in the journey is marked. And that's just everything for me, that people are able to learn and be inspired from the more gritty, mm. more difficult times, not just the kind of beautiful picture at the end. <laughs> thank yeah, you. Yeah, we like to keep it real. <laughs> And thank you to you lovely, open-minded and curious listeners for spending your time with us and showing up for each episode. I love the fact that you're all on this journey with me and I'm looking forward to sharing so much more with you in the near future. So if you like what you heard today and you fancy taking the journey further, then check out the show notes to see information about Catherine's businesses, Ossa, Kinetic Blueprint and Fierce Nature. And if you would like to follow us on Instagram, then check out saucia.edits and let the world of mindful makers become part of yours too. Until next time, stay open, stay mindful, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Bye.